Welcome to the Mindset Mashup. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, TV host on Extra, master brand strategist, author on gratitude, and co-founder of Mindset Programs. And I dig deep to bring you closer to your best life in this lively, unfiltered, and heart-centered podcast. The Mindset Mashup is a compilation of real talks focused on epic mindset rituals and routines to help you get after your passion and potential. Tune in each Monday for inspirational guests who reveal their mindset must to help you optimize what matters most, self-love, impact, fulfillment. I'm so excited that you're here. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Mindset Mashup and part two of my conversation with Sark, artist, author, extraordinaire. This was such a fun conversation and it was just so deep and vulnerable and honest and moving. And you can get a sense very clearly that it just didn't want to end. It took on a life of its own and even maybe two thirds of the way through this part two, I thought I was wrapping this up and then I was like, wait, I've got to ask her about that. And then she seemed to be so willing and present to answer whatever. And she was having just as good of a time. And anyway, this is just a really, really fun conversation that I'm so grateful to get to share with you. So without further ado, please enjoy part two with Sark. One of the notes that you wrote to yourself as the inner wise self actually also stopped me in my tracks. Do you mind if I read it? Oh, I love it. So good. I resonated with this one. There were two, but this is the one that I was like, yes, thank you, Susan. You write, darling, sweetest Susan. I see you in your stops and starts, your fears and resistances. I see you in your glorious unfoldings and creative inventions. I see you think you're not enough. And then you leap to the next spot laughing. I see you write yourself in and out of memory and dreams, smoke and shadow. I see your new writings taking flight. I see you refusing to quit for long. I see you willing to sob on the floor. I see you showing up to the page over and over and over and over again, even when it's boring, messy, not your favorite. I love that. I see you celebrating, creating, making your desires real and sharing your life's purpose. I see you allowing the splendid imperfections and glaring omissions, inescapable truths and uncertainties. I see you. I know you. I love you unconditionally, completely and forever. Call on me constantly. I'm right here, right now, right always. I adore you. God, how long did it take you to write that? Uh, about three minutes. Because it was your wise self and she knew what she was talking about. Oh, yeah. They, I set the timer for everyone for three minutes. And this is what comes out. Mm. Mm. So beautiful. Okay. So the inner wise self, ask, ask again, ask differently, write letters to yourself, set a timer three minutes. Then the next one, number two, inner feelings care system. What do you mean by that? Oh, my goodness. Well, most of us are not taught how to have our feelings and you know, have them and love them and tend to them and have them be present, especially multiple feelings. You know, if we're, we can have more than one, you, you, we all know this. We can be sad that our mother is not well. We can be angry that our sister is not doing more. We can be mad that we feel helpless and frustrated. I mean, you know, it can, so we haven't, we have multiple feelings and we get so scared 
So people try to deny, avoid, repress, hide from feelings. And feelings just want our love and attention, and they don't need that much. And we fear that they need everything. And people say things like, if I ever started crying, I'd never stop. And if I ever got, if I ever said how angry I was, I would just burn down the world. You know, and this is because feelings have been repressed and feelings need to be expressed. So I teach a process where people can access and learn this inner feelings care system. I, I like things that are small. I like things that are short that work. You know, I, I don't like big systems or processes. I like sim- simple things that work right away. Right. Complexity is the enemy of execution. (laughs) Yes. 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 You know, many people grew up in this same kind of family I did. I I was allowed to have one feeling at a time and I had to go to my room to have it. Oh, how appropriate. And I had to come out and say that I felt better, even if I didn't. Oh, so this carries forward where people and thankfully now children are being taught more about feelings than ever before. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, and I, but I see a lot of adu- most adults don't tend to their feelings, and so what that results in is everything: road rage, waking up at three in the morning, you know, recycling conversations that you had with your mother, or your father, or your partner, whoever it is. And so I I share with people how to do this five minute method where you express your feelings onto paper, and you. You, you basically express them, you experience relief and release, and you move on. And there's a part two to it where you can reframe feelings, but I'm just giving the, the cliff version right now. So I'll say a five-second method right now because this is the one everyone can use right away. So as soon as you're aware of any negative feeling, you name it. So let's say you're feeling anxiety. You say the name out loud, anxiety, anxiety. And you can turn to either side if you feel it on both sides of you, especially. And you can say, anxiety, I see you, I hear you, I acknowledge you. And this allows anxiety, if you imagine that feelings have little shoulders, it allows the shoulders to soften and the anxiety to change shape. Now, it still stays anxiety, but it doesn't need to be so loud. Feelings have no choice but to get louder and larger when we don't listen to them. So this simple method of naming a feeling, acknowledging its existence, causes the feelings to calm down. I mean, remember, feelings don't have heads. All they can do is feel. So it's, you know, and this is when, this is why people get so angry when someone says, just calm down. It's like, no, that never works. If you're already upset, you can't just calm down. But what you can do is say, upset, I see you, I hear you, I acknowledge you. Before you had ever said that a feeling doesn't have a head, but you can't imagine that it might have shoulders and that they soften as soon as the feeling is acknowledged. I hadn't heard you say that, but as soon as you had said anxiety, I feel you, I hear you, I acknowledge you. I took a big deep breath and my, my shoulders totally softened mm. because I'm looking at the time and I'm like, okay, she said she doesn't have to rush off, but we're at an hour. And, and so I was having a little bit of anxiety. And so I did it in my head and I'm like, anxiety, I see you, I hear you, I acknowledge you and it's okay and it was like oh, say, stark will let you know <laughs> you know yes, yes yes and she already said she doesn't have anywhere to run off to be but this was just you know i wanted to honor what i had said at the top but ah oh, it's just so true just naming it right and just allowing it to have a place in the world but not to overrun us 
Right. It's not meant to be in charge. And just so everyone knows, you and your inner wise self it, it is the only parts of you that are meant to be in charge of your life. I love how you talk about the inner feelings aren't qualified. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and you're like, in fact, they're not qualified for this, but you can give them lots of jobs. <laughs> oh, now you're talking about inner critics. Oh, sorry. Let's move there. Yeah. Okay. You're right. So number three, I was like, oh, some of those jobs are so perfect for all of us who can't relate. Okay. So that's great. So we've got the inner wise self, number one, inner feelings, care system, and the beautiful five second method. Now we move on to three inner critic care and transformation system. Yes. So inner critics are in, inside of all of us and they're not bad. They, they started with early conditioning and they've just grown out of proportion to who you are now and what you need. And critics have to work, but they don't care what they work on. So if you don't redirect them, they will work on your life. So true. They have to work, but they don't care what they work on. They just love being critical. Yeah. And they have to find somewhere to be critical. So All the time. All the time. It's what they do. There's a saying that inner critics have an IQ of 400. <laughs> because they are listening to this show right now, and they are gathering information to basically use against you. Yes. 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 And so what I tell people, if you don't have a care system for your inner critics, it's like leaving toddlers in a kitchen with knives. Mm, dangerous. Dangerous, really dangerous, because then you're going to be hearing critical inner dialogue. And we all know what that sounds like. Hallmark words for the critics, never, should, always. Um, any of those words, if you hear someone else saying or yourself saying, it's, it's the realm of inner critics. I never get enough done. I'm always late. I should be thinner. You know, all these kinds of expressions that are critical is, is some one or more inner critics. And I guide people in knowing which inner critic is most vocal. And usually we all have some relationship with each one of them. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's like the perfectionist, the procrastinator, the pusher, the comparer, and then the hopeless one. Those are the most common critics. And, you know, I, I like to describe how they each operate and how people really, many people are so merged with their inner critics that they don't even know that they're inner, they think it's just them. And they'll say things like, oh, I've just always been a perfectionist. That's how I've always been. Yeah. And they're not realizing that it's an aspect of themselves that's talking, literally directing them about why it isn't right. It's not good enough yet. It's not good enough. You shouldn't share it. It's not good enough. And so I'll just give a, obviously we're doing a, a, you know, kind of a quick, very quick description here, but I'll just say that the best thing you can do, as soon as you get aware of any critical thought most of them are accusations. You know, you never, you should, you always write it down. As soon as you're aware of one that you can hear or feel, write it down because the, first of all, that makes it separate from you. So you write down this, this, this inner critic accusation and then you write what's called a countering statement. Let's say there's an inner critic statement of you, you never, you'll never make enough money. You would write a counter statement and it, it really helps to start with the word actually. You would say, actually, I'm learning all sorts of things about my finances and I'm in a great position to start earning more money. That would be a, a sample. Now, it's important. You, you don't want to justify or over explain. The idea is to take your power back 
because those accusations, if you don't counter them, they have the power. And most people let these statements stand and live by them. Or let it stop them from ever doing anything. Oh, yeah. In their mind, over and over, they hear these messages, these critical messages. I'm too old. It's too late. I'm too fat. I won't be able to do that. That's not enough. I mean, so these counter statements are powerful. And when you start practicing them, the idea is you cross out that inner critic statement and you hold up that counter statement and you put it on your wall, you put it on your computer, you put it on your medicine cabinet mirror, you have it right in front of your face. So you're literally reprogramming how you're thinking. And you start it with actually. Yeah, actually. Actually. Let me tell you otherwise. Yes. And and two important things. You need to believe the statement, but you could go a little further than your belief. Mm-hmm. You can embellish a little bit. You can embellish a little bit, but you need to, at the core, mostly believe it. And we can all come up with anything that would be sort of, you know, uh, a counter to whatever that critic is trying to say in that moment. Exactly. No matter what we've done or think we haven't done. Oh, exactly. Right. And, and I, yeah, I teach an interview process too, where, where you interview the critic and it's amazing. I mean, you find out they really, they don't have, they're very repetitive and they don't have that many new things to say. They don't have much new material. No, no, they kind <laughs> of, you, you can kind of count. And then, you know, I teach people how to assign them new jobs, which is, as you saw, really fun. Totally. Well, and this is probably why then if they don't really get much new material, why it gets, it seems like it, it gets louder and more chronic as we get older. Oh, absolutely. It's like, well, you know, clearly this hasn't held you back. So let me just get even more bold about it. Oh yeah. And I mentor people, you know, I do do still do some private mentoring and I mentor people all the time. In fact, I just had a client the other day say, you know, I just turned 60. Why are my critics worse? And it's, it's exactly what you're saying. I mean, they've, they've gathered up more ammunition and they've watched more things. And especially people, many people have no connection to their inner wise self. They have no inner feelings care system in place and they have no idea about their inner critics. And so this is, these are all processes and systems that I created to, to live my wonderful life and have my successful business and make all those changes that I that we talked about earlier. It's incredible. And I love how you call your core teachings three ways of being. Um, and, and let's be clear that this, this has helped transform millions of lives around the planet. So the final part of this process, which you could either do before or after, um, is what I love. And that this is the part where I was mentioning earlier where I, I it dawned on me that this is how I do it, but I, I wasn't aware of your method. And I'm so grateful that this is what you're sharing with the world because I think more of us need to see this. And especially now when we're all so fragmented and there seems to be less time than ever. So this process called the micro movement miracle method, I'd love for you to share on that, that cliff notes version. And then we'll wrap up, wrap up with one final question and I'll let you get back to your spiritual honeymoon. (laughs) You're part of my spiritual honeymoon. Oh, that's so, so kind. Oh yeah. Yeah. And David's going to love this. He's he's yay. He was not feeling well. So he's, this is going to be, he's probably high as a kite in the other room. (laughs) That's awesome. Just from the energy of this, you know? Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Well, micro movements are something that I invented. This whole system is something I invented years ago, 25 years ago or more, because I I had a lot of creative dreams and I thought, how am I going to do them all? I have a short attention span 
And um, I, th- there's so many things I want to do. And I also want to do a whole lot of nothing. Uh, so I created them so I could continue procrastinating and avoiding and still do all of my dreams. <laughs> so that, I think it's important to know for people to know the origins of things, you know? Yes. Yes. Well, and also you get bored easily. So to put, to, to immerse yourself into like a big project, for example, like let's say taxes who can't relate, right? Even if you have the fanciest CPA in all of the land, it still requires you to put your shit together. Um, and so I love that because it's like, just do little micro tiny teeny movements, even if it's just for five minutes and then allow yourself to be surprised and delighted by maybe you want to do more, right? And they give new titles to things. Yeah, it's powerful. I mean, I've been teaching this method, as, as I've said, for all those years. And what I've discovered, I really did some substantial research where 60% of the time, if we get going, we will keep going. We all know this experience. Oh, I don't want to clean my closet. Oh, let me see these shoes. Oh, I could just give away these shoes or I could put these shoes somewhere else. All of a sudden, we look up and two and a half hours has gone by and the closet is clean. Um, now 40%, that means 40% of the time we're not continuing, but here's the beautiful part of micro movements. If you participate in this system, I take people through the whole system of how to do it. If you participate in this, your brain doesn't know whether you did five minutes or five hours. It just knows that something is underway. It knows you're making progress. Yeah. So it's really powerful. So I, you know, I have all these examples. I mean, I literally have I don't even know, thousands of incredible stories, but I'll just give a few quick ones. That someone who was going to, wanted to make an incredible garden. And so, and I also teach people to make their micro movements sound so enticing because we all have lists and, and most of our creative dreams don't even make it on a list, number one. Number two, if they do, sometimes we just write things that are so boring that no wonder we don't do them. We do things more often when we feel good about them. Yes. By the way, this goes for everything. This goes from an IRS audit to a colonoscopy to <laughs> a attorney to, you know, th- this is, this is, this stuff really works. I am here to say that I, uh, several years ago, experienced a magical IRS audit. Really? No one has ever said those words. Wow. What about <laughs> it was magical? Oh my goodness. Well, I won the case. The IRS <laughs> asked if she could hug me oh and my said God. never had hugged anyone. Wow. And you know, my, I, I arrived so prepared. It was like a PowerPoint presentation with a, a folder with tabs <laughs> and everything copied. And I had my inner wise self communicate with her inner wise self before I got there. So her inner wise self was actually jumping up and down behind her saying, I love her. I love her. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and this is really full circle, right? Because you already mentioned that you did 10 years where you kind of left the money world and you were doing more for, you know, on barter and trade. And so to come full circle and have the IRS be like, really? Yes, 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 sir. Go. <laughs> you enrolled them. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love that. So going back to the example of a person that wanted to create a magical garden and she had written down, go get fertilizer and had agreed with me that it was something she had not done for 10 years because it sounded so boring. And I said, what about have a fertilizer adventure? And she said, oh, what is that? And I said, I don't know, but that's what just came to me. Well, she really took it to heart and she went to the fertilizer store and found a lover and had this passionate affair 
with someone at the garden store. (laughs) (laughs) So she really did have a fertilizer adventure. She went up. Yeah, she went on in every way. She went on to design the most fantastic garden. I mean, I literally have endless stories of people um, just doing all of their creative dreams, you know, clearing clutter in their houses to finding love to uh, finishing books. I mean, uh, one woman contacted me and said, you know, I have this novel. I've been trying to finish it for 10 years. And I said, so we came up with a whole micro movement uh, process for her. And I said, well, what's your first micro movement? And she said, get these index par- get these index cards in a box out of my closet. And I said, well, that sounds like the most boring thing I've ever heard. And she said, well, it is so boring. And that's why I haven't done it in over 10 years. And, and I said, well, let's jazz that up. I said, how about take the index cards box out and fling it in the air? And wherever the cards land, pick one up and start writing. Yes. She used only that micro movement to finish her incredible novel. Mm. What I love about this method is you write more gets started and more gets completed. Ignition system for dreams and dreamers and creates a habit of completion versus a habit of never starting. And that is sometimes the hardest part is because I'm, I'm literally looking at, um, you know how we have notes on an Apple phone, on an Apple device. Okay. So I keep my whole life's, you know, to-do list on there. And that is so not fun by the way, I am now going to go back and edit every single one of them and make them super fun. You know, make them <laughs> adventures, make them sparkly, make them magical, uh, mystical, surprising, whatever it's going to take. Cause some of them feel like doing my taxes, you know, or colonoscopy. <laughs> yeah, and, you, and, and also make them fun, make them humorous, make them something that delights you or amuses you or makes you just smile or something that makes it different than, than what it has been. Yes. I love that. And in somehow for me, it would be like, well, in alignment with what I know I'm here to do, because all of it is all toward the same purpose. Um, and so I love that. Okay. I'm going to be applying that. There are some things right now that I have allowed myself to overwhelm me, um, where I want to put my own head into an oven. (laughs) You know, I'm glad we could laugh about it now a whole hour later. See, that's funny. Um, (laughs) So I don't know if you know this or if you've listened to any of the past episodes, but I I, I designed this podcast because I wanted to foster more fulfillment on the planet. Um, I feel like mindset is the gateway to so much. And mindset just means new ideas, you know, um, new paradigms, perspectives, all the stuff that you teach and have been teaching for over 30 years. But ultimately, it's really designed to optimize everyone's mindset, take what they want, leave what they don't. And... uh, but for that fulfillment. And then I love to ask every guest how they define fulfillment. Oh, I love that. I did hear that. I l- l- listened to your wonderful, incredible episode with Marla. Oh. And then I've dipped, in, dipped into some others. And I, just thank oh, you. So sweet. For, thank you for doing such a powerfully, um, just powerful and beautiful um, it's more than a podcast, it's really transmission of love and transformation. Oh my God. Thank you so much. That is very kind. That really moved me and made me tear up. Yeah. I'll receive that because coming from you, it feels like I've just been anointed. (laughs) Seriously. Thank you. I love you. I salute you. Okay. Fulfillment. (laughs) I know. She's like, get back, you know, right now. No, 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 no. I'm just like, I'm going to honor your time. Yeah. I think, I think fulfillment for me is being creatively alive and creatively able to express 
and um, really live that purpose of live my purpose of being a transformer, uplifter, and a laser beam of love. And yeah, that's fulfillment. I love that. It's just you living your purpose, which by the way, I believe you found right at 10 years old and it was due to Mr. Boggs. Oh, Mr. Boggs. Yes. Who, who was such a marvelous, he was my best friend when I was 10 and he was 80 and I was escaping the abuse in my home. And I went over to his house every day and he wanted to teach me to look close and look far. So he bought me a microscope and a telescope. And then he got really sick. And my mom said, you need to understand that Mr. Boggs is going to the hospital and probably not coming back. And I said, well, then I need to create something for every day that he's in there so he knows how loved he is. And so every day for a month, I sent something to the hospital. And he did get out. And he said, I think you saved my life. He said, no one else called or wrote while I was in there. And I had to get out to see you. Oh, my God. And I ran in the house and said, mom, I'm supposed to be a beacon of hope and write books for the world. (laughs) And she said, eat your peanut butter sandwich. (laughs) But she also bought me the biggest box of crayons in the neighborhood. I mean, I had, I was, I was had all the kids over at my house because I had the most and the biggest crayons. You were winning. Were you social when you were little? I was, I was, I I came home from first grade and said, mom, show and tell should be me every day. And she said, no, honey, the other kids need a chance. And I said, no, they hate it. They don't want to do it. And they're begging me to do it. And they see that I find things every day. And so luckily, she was such a neat mom. And I had such a neat teacher. And they got together and they came up with a plan for me to go to a different grade every day and do show and tell. Oh, my gosh. This is where I I, I convinced I got my real speakers training because we when you're in first grade and you've got to hold the attention of sixth graders, you've got to be really good. <laughs> and I came into that sixth grade class wearing a giant bush on my head that I fashioned a crown so that literally a live bush was on my head. And I was plucking berries off the bush and saying, this is a gooseberry bush and it grows in our neighborhood and you can eat these berries. And I was eating the berries and I could still see their faces. They were leaning back with these shocked expressions as the, at this little first grade girl with this giant bush on her head. And I thought, <laughs> I, thought I did it. I'm in. You're in. Now, most kids would just bring the bush, right? Either potted or in a box. But what inspired you to put it on your head? I knew that that would capture their attention. You, you had to, yeah, you had to impress. You dressed to impress. Yes, and, and I dressed to, to um, you know, have their imagination take flight and to be delighted and to be inspired. So was, it, so was Mr. Boggs the one who really showed you the beginning of who you really could be? Or was, was it even younger? Because this magical, mystical, wondrous way of life that you live, your mindset is truly unique and special and healing and transformative. And you really are a beacon of hope. But where did you learn that? Or when did you first identify, wow, this is me. And this is a little bit different than like what Sally's doing over there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think, I think that first grade uh, proclamation was a big part of it. And then I think it's, I think it's really mentors. I mean, you know, I'm always telling people we're all being mentored all the time. And most people don't ask enough for mentors to come, you know, and, and most specifically aren't letting themselves be mentored by their inner wise selves. But I had this wonderful grandfather who, who I called Bapa, 
who saw these, these, he just saw me. He saw these unique magical things and he set about helping it to foster it, to grow it, to have it expand. He heard that I wanted to write books. And so he had a little tiny house built for me and delivered on a flatbed trailer. Um, when I, and that was when I was 10 years old and it had, you know, linoleum and sliding glass windows and electricity. And I just promptly moved in and wrote my first book. <laughs> that was your first cottage. Wow. You wrote your first book at 10. Yeah. And then, and then this is, this is how wise he was after that. I thought, wow, Bapa gave me a house. I bet I, I really want a pony. <laughs> and so I told him I wanted a pony and he said, okay, great. Meet me in the dining room. We'll have a meeting. And I thought this was the most exciting thing that had ever happened. And so I sat, I sat down in the dining room and he had a big yellow legal pad. And he said, let's talk about everything that's everything you're going to need for your pony. And before long, the whole yellow legal sheet was filled. And I looked up and I said, Bapa, I don't think I want a pony. I don't want a pony. (laughs) And he said, are you sure? And he said, what other way can we get you around horses so you can get to know horses? So he found a, a ranch that would have me come and help with certain things and be able to ride the horse. And, you know, so I had my horse experience, but I didn't have to have the ownership of a pony. That's basically the whole process of the inner wise self right there. Yeah. 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 Oh, what a beautiful soul. What a beautiful mentor for you. Oh, yes. And I, and I just, I, Mr. Boggs was a mentor. My mom was a mentor. You know, I just, I gathered them up. I gathered them everywhere I went. And I asked, I asked again and I asked differently. Who's your mentor now? I just, it was so funny you said that. I wanted to say David. No, and I knew you were going to say David. <laughs> I knew you were going to. I was like, of course, she's in a love relationship. There's intimacy, there's orgasms, there's, you know, fear, there's resistance. It's, it's, an, <laughs> it's all being alchemized right now. Yes, yes. And I will, I will say that he is a creative genius. Mm. I haven't met anyone as creatively prolific as me. And so it's, it's a, it, I, I keep saying to him, it's just an honor to know you. Oh, so this, this second spiritual honeymoon, is it, how is it different than the first spiritual honeymoon? Oh, I have such, so much more intimacy. We have so much more intimacy, so much more ease, um, depth of communications, trust, um, everything is expanded. Um, it's, it's just, it's a real life love story in every way. I feel, you know, I mean, we've, there's already, I mean, there's, there's challenges and there's things to understand and we just zip right along. I mean, it's like, you know, I think because of the, he's so excited whenever I have any feelings, he's like, do you have any fears? Is there any fears that you want to alchemize? No. Oh, he's not afraid. No, he's not afraid. I love all my feelings at the top of that staircase. I know. I I love all my feelings. I mean, it's like so childlike, but so divinely human, right? It's like, God, we can just embrace it all. It's like even the the ugly gray and black, it's not ugly and gray, actually, the dark colors, right? They're here to teach us so much. Yes. Well, he sounds like a beautiful soul and (laughs) clearly you're a soulmate. And I'm really, really happy for you, Sark. You, You bring a lot of joy to this planet, but you deserve this. Oh, thank you, Michelle. I, I'm, a, I'm astonished that I allowed it. I'm astonished. 
I love that you said yes, despite the fears, despite the Google search of looking for the flights home day two, and that you stayed the course and allowed yourself to just alchemize the terrible things that you were, you know, afraid of in the moment. And we'll continue to do so. Yes. You know, that's the other thing. I think so often, I mean, as a business owner for 30 years, people make all kinds of assumptions. Oh, you sold, you know, 18 books and 3 million copies. And so that's, you're all set, you know, and that's the part. None of us are all set. You're like, wait, I'm just getting started. Well, not only that, but we have new adventures. We have challenges. We have expeditions, you know, we, life is an experiment. <laughs> and you suck the marrow out of all of it. And I, <laughs> and I love, love, love that you not only give permission, but celebrate the, the moments when you don't want to do much at all. And that you're like, take naps, like dream often, like go play in a field or whatever it might be. Because there are days that will go by where I'm like, I didn't do anything. I shut off my phone. I closed down the screens and I just binged Netflix, a bunch of crap actually, most of the time. Didn't even love it, but it was better than trying to get through a to-do list that didn't excite me or that I didn't really want to do. Yes. yes. Right? And it's like, but then once I recharge, I'm like, okay, I may not go full force, but I can take some micro movements in this area today. You know, and then I get, and then I do, I surprise myself. I'm like, oh, this is fun, you know, or this is oh, I'm making progress. Like, oh, look at that. Like an hour went by and it's like, well, let's just see how much more I can do. Um, and so I like that. So would you say this relationship with David is the thing that's lighting you up the most right now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's, it's, it's all the parts of me, you know, um, it's the creative, it's the loving, it's the intimate, it's the female, it's the, um, you know, my inner children are, I mean, it's, it's all the, all parts activation, you know, and learning so much and, and able to share so much. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, I was dating the world and now I feel like I'm dating the world with David. I just love that statement. Now, do you guys talk about where you will or potentially cohabitate? He's moving to San Francisco. He is. Look at him. Wow. That's big. I know. Yeah, well, he he keep his his place there. Well, I will no, he's gonna he's going to give up the place here, but I'm gonna I wanna say that it was his intention to move back to California before he met me. Of course it was. This is all divine right alignment. Yes. And his son is going to school there and his best friend lives in Berkeley. So he's got he's got himself family and community. This is so awesome. So I will look forward to the 3.0 version of the spiritual honeymoon continued, but in California. Yes. 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 Well, I can't thank you enough for your time now. Where can we find you? Like, where are you the most active in social media? Well, you know, I'm, I'm probably pretty similar Facebook, Instagram. I mean, I love both and I, I'm just about to redo my website, which, you know, I'm always excited to do something new. Um, and but a lot of wonderful things are there at planetsark.com. Oh, yeah. And a lot of free magical goodies, by the way. And so we'll make sure all that's listed um, as well. And then I will put the independent link to Succulent Wild Love up because I would love for um, my listeners to pick that up and, and I'm going to pick it up today. Um, but I'm just so grateful for you and for your time, Sark. I, I can't thank you enough, seriously. Oh. This is a dream moment that has come oh, to life. Michelle. Well, I hope you um, understand that I would love to, in addition to Marla, I would like to be your friend. Oh, yes, 
Yes, please. <laughs> you know what? Marla and I will we will plan a trip or whenever you're in LA next. Um, but we'll make it really easy. Um for Oh, I would love that. Yeah, the yes. three of us. In fact, you must have uh picked up on it because she was like, I bet this is just funny. She's like, I bet that by the time you guys are done talking, the three of us are gonna be meeting and having tea together. Oh, I so love here so it is. Much. Yes. yes. So we will so do that. Wonderful. Oh my goodness. Well, um, big, big hugs to you. And I hope you, I know you will have a wonderful rest of your evening. Tell David, we love him. We're excited. <laughs> he's in the family. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. He just texted me and said, it's on, he said, you must be having fun. Um, and I, I said, yes, we're talking a lot about us. Yes. You know what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to put out um, part one and part two of this so that oh, we really get everyone in. Yeah. And to get them listening to the full, the full thing, because we hit on so much and I, I'm so appreciative of your time. And I just feel, I feel really special that I got this time with you. So thank you. No, David, thank you. Oh, <laughs> thank you for asking. And thank you. For, for being and yeah for everyone who doesn't know I wrote something called love comes again part one and part two yes on the magic blog which I will also do an individual link for because just that alone is also like a workshop oh, you really yes. get yeah inside your heart and mind as you were navigating um, this first part of your relationship and the journey and uh, and it's beautiful and I I also salute John for making it so clear to you in the physical and non-physical that happy, happier times were, 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 you know, bound to be and that love. And I love how he said, when love happens, not if it's like, he just knew for you. And I just get the chills. I just know he's right here right now, celebrating this along with us. Oh, I know he loves this so much. He, he immediately, <laughs> and I, I think you know this, but he talks to me all the time and communicates. I read that. And, and I know that you guys devised a, a plan when he was alive and in his last few, you know, you know, days on the earth of how you would be able to recognize the communication. I thought, God, that's so brilliant. Wasn't that good? Yes. You know, cause I'm going to do that with my mom. It's like, listen, I know that, you know, it's just the body and your soul is eternal. So let's figure out how I know you're communicating with me. So I'm not just guessing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or making up that every hummingbird I see is you. It's like, can we be more clear? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. When is the last time he communicate, communicated with you? Oh, I think yesterday. He, he talks often. He, as soon as he's been, he's talked less since I've met David, which I appreciate, but he, he, you know, I needed some, I told him, I said, well, if I ever meet someone, don't be there when I'm kissing them. Right. I was just wondering that. I was like, I was going to ask, I was like, is he in the room? <laughs> I know, I know. But he, he came in, he, he assured me now that from the afterlife, that those things are just not even relevant. Like it's all energy and it's not, you're not looking at people like that. I believe that. Yeah. That was reassuring. But he came and he talked in my ear right away and said, I love David. Oh, of course he does. Yeah. And then David loves him. I mean, David keeps saying, thank you, John, for loving Susan so well. Mm. Thank you, John. He loves John. Thank you, John. I know. It's so wonderful. Mm, I love it. And I, and I just want to say that, you know, love comes again for us all in all kinds of forms. And some of us are, you know, some of us want to be in a romantic couple and some of us don't. And, you know, I wrote about that in my book too. I call it the tyranny of soulmates. 
I mean, people get in this thing like, have you met someone? It's just gross. You know, it's like, what if you don't want to meet someone? What if you're so happy with your cats or your dog or your best friend or your whatever it is? It's like you just described my life, my cats, plural, my dog, singular, and my life and all that I'm building and growing right now. And I get asked that. It's like, no matter all these amazing things that I'm so excited that I'm up to and I'm so proud of and honored to be a part of, um, the, the question always ends with, yeah, but are you dating? Oh. Like, right, right. Because that is the only barometer of my true fulfillment and happiness in life. Oh. Yeah, and you're going to love what I wrote about that and, oh. and, about, and about being soulfully single and about how we need to raise that to be identical. There, We've made this weird system where if you're with another person, you're somehow thought of as happier. And as we know, there's a 50% divorce rate for a reason. Yeah, but I always look at the okay, the fifty percent who are married. Who of those people are actually happy? Oh, well, that that gets really scary because people people aren't telling micro truths and they aren't doing this. You know, so yeah, I mean. This is why I teach and mentor and, and do the work I do. But I love that. And I'm going to start to um, talk about, you know, the micro movements and giving new titles. I'm now going to refer to myself as soulfully single. <laughs> yes. Because I know that love comes again. I know it. I believe it. And I'm in no hurry for it. But I can feel something. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like an even an interest because for a full year, just like you after John passed, it's like, I think what I think a year had gone by. Is that what you said? We just, it just wasn't time. It wasn't right. And then you, and then you tried, you know, a little bit here and there and you met with a matchmaker and it just wasn't right. And then you're just like, you know what? I'll know when I know. And boy, he, he left it on your voicemail <laughs> and said it a hundred times just in case you weren't sure. <laughs> Oh, he's so extraordinary, and so are you. Okay, this oh, is for reals and because so are you and everyone listening. I just want to send so much love to everyone listening. Well, we're feeling it and just receiving it and sending it right back to you and David. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I just, can't wait to meet you. Oh, you too, Michelle. <laughs> All right, my love. Have a wonderful rest of your night. And I will let you know when this goes out. And again, I just can't thank you enough for your time and for oh, your heart. Thank you for your time and your heart and mm. your... This has been a love fest. Magnificent self. Oh, All right. Well, thank you. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend and you can head on over to iTunes to leave me a review. That would be so appreciated. And of course, if you'd like to reach me directly with any comments, questions, or feedback, you can do so at themindsetmashup.com. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to hearing from you.